Hey everybody, T-Bane here with a disclaimer for this week's episode. Um, it's actually the second part of a two-part episode called The Revival Church Top 10 Funniest Bible Stories. Um, we've been having a pretty good time with this, so you're, you're going to want to go back to, the, to episode two and listen to that one if you haven't heard it yet. So uh, just go back and do it. You won't be sorry. Um, also, it is Independence Day weekend, so happy 4th to everybody. The 4th of July is actually this Saturday. Um, hope you're having a good time with your family and all of that. Um, if you serve in the armed forces, um, I just wanted to say thank you from Revival Church. Um, you keep our country safe for us, and we can never thank you enough for that. Also, if you're a frontline healthcare worker like my wife, um, handling all this COVID stuff and, and really everything that you do on a daily basis anyway, you deserve our respect, as well as law enforcement. Um, I know that maybe that's not the most popular thing to talk about right now, but if you do your job right and uh, and you protect my family on a daily basis and put your life on the line, you deserve my respect. So thank you for everything that you do. Um, hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Um, you can reach us at revivalchurchpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or any suggestions for, for you know future episodes or anything like that. Um, we're also working on getting social media up, so... Just keep an eye out for Facebook and Instagram and different things like that. Um, and uh, it'll just be another way for you to get a hold of us. But uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode and uh, just uh, have a good time today. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. What you're question. saying is, is it vertical or horizontal? <laughs> <laughs> is, however that happens, it's a bad day for somebody. It's not a shish kebab. You can't hold him okay. a bunch of and, things and, and it, run it again, through with a bamboo Again, it's one steak. of those, it's, it's like anything else. Part of the reason you do that is because this person is supposed to be traitorous. <laughs> okay. And you leave Time them out. up there. Time out. All right. Like so, we, of, so we frankly, are back. It's like a form of crucifixion. Sorry. So we are back with the Revival Church podcast here. We've been having... Lively conversation and debate about the final five. Um, I'm excited. And, uh, I am too, actually. Um, some of my favorite stories are in the next are in the next five. So it's all my awesome. favorite stories are in the Bible. That's Praise right. The Lord. That's right. Goody two shoes over here. Yeah, the B.I.B. Bella. I can't even spell it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bill, give us number five, man. All right, number five. Um, this is almost like two separate stories, but it's the same story. It's just two different aspects of the story. So I actually told you guys incorrectly earlier, but this is the story of Jehoshaphat and Ahab. Um, so basically what happens is Ahab and Jehoshaphat, one is king of Judah, one, of, one is king of Israel, um, they are allies. Their, their son or daughter have, has married one another, and they're they have a peace treaty with one another. And so Ahab <clears throat> comes to Jehoshaphat and wants to go to war with someone. And Jehoshaphat's like, I don't think that's necessarily a good idea. We should get the prophets together and see what the prophets have to say about it. So all the prophets come in and basically say, oh, Ahab, great King Ahab, you're going to win this battle. You're going to win. It's going to be just a slaughter and it's going to be great. And uh, Jehoshaphat's just not quite happy with that. And he says, is there no other prophet that we can ask, that we can inquire of? And uh, the king of Israel, Ahab, says to Jehoshaphat, this is ex- these are the exact words. He says, yes, there's, there's one man, Micaiah, uh, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, <laughs> for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat says to him, let not the king say so. So basically, there is one more guy we can ask, but I hate that guy. I hate the guy because <laughs> he's, he's always, always telling the truth. got bad news for me. Every time I ask him anything, he tells me the exact opposite of what I want to hear. And that just cracks me up. And so, But Jehoshaphat, he's not going to let it go. He's like, no, we need to ask this guy. We need to ask this guy. I really feel like we need to go talk to this guy about this. And so they bring in Micaiah. And Micaiah gives this big, long spiel of what it's going to be. And they actually try and bribe him. Somebody says to him, 
all right, they're coaching him as he's coming into the king's chambers. And they say, okay, you just tell the king what he wants to hear. <laughs> That's what they said to him. And, and Micaiah is like, no, I'm going to say what the Lord tells me. So they go in there and Micaiah says what the Lord tells him, which isn't good for Ahab. Basically, he tells him, <clears throat> if you go into battle, you're going to die and the dogs are going to lick up your blood. And uh, so <laughs> Micaiah tells him this. And then uh, as, he, as he tells him this after the conversation, Ahab looks at Jehoshaphat and says, I told you <laughs> I hate this guy. <laughs> he said the exact words were, did I not tell you that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? This guy always has <laughs> bad news for me. This that guy. is so that I like I know that that's really funny and everything but that is just that is just modernity in general like mm. that is that is us yes. so bad. So well, and and what even makes it better is while they're waiting on the the real prophet, fa- there's a false prophet who runs around with these horns on that he has made, made out of iron. And he's going to be, this is the way that the king is going to push the Syrians around. And he's running around the room with these fake horns on, acting, <laughs> like, he's, acting like he's trampling people and stuff. And it's like, where did you come up with this? This is like, it's ridiculous. It's not from the Lord. <laughs> it's not from the Lord. <laughs> And you look like an idiot. I wonder if he made sounds as he was a... <laughs> but he says, I told you, I hate this guy. It's always bad news. See, dogs licking up blood. This is just bad. <laughs> I hate this guy. And I, I love that he says, we have another prophet, quote unquote, King James Version. But I hate him. But I hate him. <laughs> it's like, I hate that guy. He's always telling me bad yeah, news. And we're going to... After this story, after this little portion, this is where the second story comes in. So Micaiah comes in, tells the news, and Ahab says, you know what? I'm done with you. You go to prison. You get nothing but bread and water. No, you don't get anything. You don't get anything, not even bread or water. That's what it is, until I return from the battle. I'm going anyways, no matter what you say. And so he locks this guy away, and then they go into battle. You got to remember what the prophecy was. Yeah. That... Ahab is going to die, and they're going. To, the dogs are going to lick up the blood. And Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, "Hey, you dress up like a king, <laughs> and I'm going to disguise myself like a commoner, so they'll all come after you instead of me." That's a stand-up guy, right yeah, there. Yeah, and Jehoshaphat's like, legit. "Okay, yeah, that sounds like a good idea." <laughs> and they go in, me in, and they go into battle, and all the it says that from across the battlefield, the Assyrian generals saw Jehoshaphat, and he told all of the Syrians, don't worry about anyone else except the king. And so they all close in on Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat cries out, and they realize it's not Ahab, and they give up. And then Ahab gets hit with a stray arrow. The exact wording is that he gets hit with a stray arrow by by luck. It's just some random guy shoots an arrow up in the air, and it hits Ahab in the soft spot of his armor, and he dies in his chariot, and the dogs like, lick up the blood. It's almost like it wasn't an accident. Yeah, exactly. Almost Absolutely. like it was prophecy. But, yeah. the, but the whole thing is like, I hate this guy. Oh, but you're going <laughs> to die in battle, and dogs are going to lick up your blood. It's like, hey, let's switch armor. So you, they I, I refuse to believe that it's the truth. However... If it could be the truth, how about we change clothes? <laughs> yeah. Not even like I put on the clothes. You know, of a this random is probably this is probably not true, but just you know, and it's like, <laughs> might as well take let's some precautions. Show, let's show this guy that he's so wrong by you changing clothes with me, and everybody will assume you're me. Uh, like, and that's and the other thing. It's like Jehoshaphat. So this can be taken two different ways. Ahab thought the guy was wrong, and Jehoshaphat thought he was right. So by thinking. By Ahab thinking he's wrong, he's going to think that everyone is going to come after Jehoshaphat. And if they kill Jehoshaphat, that would be oh, what yeah. the prophet saw. And <laughs> then like, Jehoshaphat dresses it's like up. like the poison in the princess. Yeah, pride. basically. It's like, <laughs> but if it was. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. That's, that's, that's exactly what it is. Not that so I watch movies, Jehoshaphat either has, either has faith in the prophet that no matter what happens, Ahab's going to be the one that dies, or he's just. 
very trusting. You know, <laughs> I just he just goes in willing to have the target on his well, back. We're gonna do honorable mentions later and stuff, but it reminds me of because I don't, I don't think this was one that we mentioned, so this will this will just be a one off. But it reminds me of the uh, the magicians in Egypt when the plagues were happening and stuff, yes. and they. Uh, they're like, no, we can do the same stuff too. We can do all this stuff, but instead, and we talked about this the other day. But you know, instead of so Moses turns the well, God turns the Mos- the Nile into blood. Okay, yeah. and the magicians are like, oh yeah, well we can turn water into blood too. So they turn bl- water into blood instead of turning the Nile <laughs> back, into, <laughs> back water. into water. <laughs> I got a good idea. <laughs> it's yeah. like. Let's yeah. go find the fresh water, the little fresh water we can find. We'll turn it to blood, too. Gotcha. 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 But it, that's we'll make just, more frogs next time, too. That's awesome. It we'll is even just, have twice as many frogs. <laughs> wow. It's just human nature to to want your uh, to want your worldview to be to be undergirded by the things that you read and the things that you see and hear. You know, and that that was with Ahab, you know, he was like, I, I hate that guy. I hate that guy because he's the only one of them that will actually tell me the truth. And that's that's the way that we are. But so. I also think back to that story of Ahab. If he thinks what the prophet saw is Jehoshaphat, imagine, imagine the smug look on his face yeah. when they're all chasing all after Jehoshaphat. Yeah. And then a straight and arrow. He's probably just sitting there like, yes, yes. He just beat the beat prophet the at his own game. I beat the system. And then all of a sudden, yeah, just a stray arrow hits him in the soft spot of the armor, and you've yeah. got to be thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Wow. <laughs> Famous last words, yep. you've got to be kidding me. Yep. All right, that was a really good one for number five. Let's do number four. Uh, well, I've got a couple on my list here that we have uh, talked a little bit about. I think I'm going to go with Samson. And uh, basically from Judges 14, where we really meet Samson, uh, where he takes a he wants to take a wife of Philistia, and uh, when he goes to marry her, uh, he kills a lion on the way down there, and then he comes up with this little riddle, and so later on he makes a bet with these guys of Philistia, the Philistines, uh, there at his his wedding party, and uh, it's like you know I'm I've come up with this little riddle because I'm so cute and so. With all of this, uh, you'll see here that um, he goes in and eventually um, it gives him a week to figure out what the riddle means. And in this period of time, they actually go to his fiance and they threaten to kill her and her family and all of this sort of stuff. And so she she goes to him and she does the thing before Delilah before there was a Delilah, she acts that part. She goes and cries, and if you love me, you'll tell me the secret, and so he tells them. And then, of course, they go back to the party, and when they go back to the party, they come up with the answer, and they come up with the the, the, the reasoning that he, exact reasoning that he had, and he realizes that she has betrayed him, and so he says, you know, you would not have known the answer to the riddle if you had not plowed with my heifer, which, of course, is hilarious. The term plowing with my heifer is <laughs> funny good, right off the just, bat. Yeah, that's just and then a it good gets phrase. wacky because he decides that he is going to pay off this, this bed of these 30 changes of clothes by going in and killing 30 random strangers that he meets in Philistia and then finally giving them uh, the clothes of these people. And so just... The way it all unfolds that he seems kind of happy-go-lucky and almost a part of, of their culture and a part of who they are, but they see him as the outsider. And so there's just a, a kind of a funny uh, interplay, I, I think, with uh, all of that sort of stuff. And then basically paying off this bet that he had made with them with the clothes that he had taken off these dead guys. It, anytime there is that type of, of interplay, it becomes funny. And then eventually... Eventually, they don't even they don't even honor the marriage contract they give him to, to the best man of the party, and he gets up so upset he burns fields and then they burn her anyway and it just it the whole thing explodes it gets out of control really quickly, and I think there's some humor in that. Yeah. So basically, what he did is he makes a bet, he has a riddle, 
He gives away the answer to the riddle. They answer the riddle. And then to, to pay his bet, he goes and kills a bunch of people, steals their stuff, and then pays it to the people that he killed it. <laughs> that, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of convoluted in a way. It's on, set. I, I didn't say they weren't going to be attached to bodies. Right. Yeah. It's almost like a Looney Tunes episode, like a really sick one. <laughs> but like I said, there is there is a good deal of interplay there, and and particularly he does he decides not to pay off with money or any of that stu- stuff, but by taking it out on the Philistines themselves, and they see that it's very personal and. It's just, it's golden. It's an opportunity. The, the Lord sought an opportunity, and the opportunity just has a turny, a, a funny turn to it there in the midst of it. That story was on the top. Yeah. And Samson, you know, there's a lot of things, and maybe maybe it's not funny as in ha-ha, but there's, there's a lot of just things that happen to Samson as a result of his... Uh, decisions that are kind of ironic so it may be comedic in a sense that it's that it is comedy but it's more of in the tragic sense than the actual absolutely you know, no, there's there's sense, a so. there's a dark vein mm-hmm. running through samson's life absolutely. but but with that dark vein there is a, a as you say a supreme sense of irony um you know that that even even all the way down to his death that they bring him out to make sport and the only reason he is even there at the Temple of Dagon, when he brings the house down, literally, the only reason he is there is to, to be a, a source of mockery. When right. in, in actuality, of course, that they really set him up for the greatest triumph of his entire life, which is his death. Right. So. Well, there's just so much creativity in the story of Samson altogether. Uh, even just one of the times he wants to get his revenge. He doesn't just go after somebody. He goes and he captures a bunch of foxes, yeah, and ties them together and sets fire in between them and lets them just. There's just so much creativity and so much um, th- that is possibly take humor out of it, take irony out of it. The whole story of Samson is just possibly the greatest story in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. It's just such a. There's so many highs and lows. You have this hero who, I mean the hero of heroes who falls so hard and then comes triumph so high again, but yeah. in a tragic way. I mean, yeah. it, it, it is. He's, he's a, in many ways the ultimate tragic figure, which yes. is why I think he's a great example. He exemplifies Israel because he actually accomplishes more in his demise than he does in his life. Yes. Which, you know, they, you know they, we, we talk about funerals and you know, impacting people for the cross and stuff and, and all of that kind of thing, but... You know, you would hope in the course of your life you actually do more than you do in, with your death. But, you know, like I said, it's just just full of irony. A great story full of irony. Yeah. Great story. That was a good one. All right, so for number three, it falls to me, and I am greatly torn. Um, but I think... I think I've got to go with, this one's a little more lighthearted, but I think we've got to go with uh, Moses making the children of Israel drink gold. So basically what happens. That's a good one. Yeah. And I, I, I know it's saved it for number two. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh, wow. But. Right. <laughs> we give, give us this golden nugget. You've got I, going oh, on. my goodness. <laughs> I had to, uh, you know, I guess I should have expected all the potty jokes. <laughs> But I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop now. That's a, no, no, no need. Um, so basically, Moses goes on to he goes up on Mount Sinai and he has this this encounter with Yahweh and he's he gets the the Ten Commandments and the law and all that good stuff and he comes down and all of the children of Israel are dancing around a golden calf naked and they're you know they're acting a fool and worshiping a false god. Moses gets ticked off, and he breaks the Ten Commandments, and then he starts talking to them, and they're, it, I think the funniest part to me is when they're talking back to Moses, they're like, well, we don't know where it came from. <laughs> we, we, we just put them in the fire. We, we, threw just, we, put, we threw the gold in the fire, and the cow just came out. It jumped. It just Jumped. Wow. It was amazing. It was. Which you, should have been. Seems here. like a really very, a very easy thing to shoot down. It's <laughs> like, so why were you putting the gold in the fire? That's you know. <laughs> you really got to work on your your excuses a little more than that. <laughs> well, we were on the spot, Mo. 
but anyway, so he he finally nails him down. He's like, no, this didn't just happen. You guys, you guys are fa- worshiping false gods, which was like really the main thing that you knew. You didn't need the the Ten Commandments to know that that was probably not a good idea. So he tells he makes them melt down or he makes them grind it down right like he they grind down all their gold into a powder he and then they they have to put it in the water and then Moses tells them to drink it and so. remember they they are kind of traveling through the wilderness at this point in time they have a very limited supply of water yeah so it's not like well I'm not going to drink that I'm going to get my own water it's like I don't think so so just imagine you come out of Egypt <laughs> what 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 little gold you probably have or that you you've worn that, that you're taking alongside of you and now it's crushed up and and you're drinking it in your yeah. body because for some reason you thought it'd be a good idea to dance around a golden calf naked as you're waiting on Moses who's hearing from the Lord on the mount it's it's just like these dummies that are putting gold leaf on like donuts and stuff nowadays yeah. it's crazy but uh yeah, no, it's just what is kind of sad to me about that part of the story is a lot of that gold, you know, because when they were delivered out of Egypt, they they were allowed to go through and take stuff from the Egyptians, you know. And the things that they received from their deliverance was the thing that they used to like they they made that into something that they worshiped more than God, right. you know. And I think that that's I, I don't know. That was, this is like twice in a row that I've made it something that's not funny at all. But <laughs> <laughs> but but that's uh I mean it, that really is sad to me. It's it, th- which is why Moses got so mad. You know, it's, it's, it's why we can't have nice things. Yeah, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> so it's you know. Well, I'm sitting here just reading part of this right now, and um, really, it's pretty pathetic. Aaron uh, is talking. To Moses here. The Moses, priest, by the way. Yeah. The, 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 priest the preacher. <laughs> uh, and so it says that Moses made him, made him drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, uh, what did this people unto thee that you have brought such a great sin upon them? Like, what in the world did these people do to you? And Aaron said, they were just the biggest cop out in history. <laughs> he said, let not the anger of the Lord wax hot. Thou knows the people, and they are set on mischief. <laughs> those people, <laughs> they did. Those it. are some terrible church it people. It was them. <laughs> it's all them. He says, "For they said to me, Make us gods which shall go before us.'" And he said, "So I asked, Who's got gold?" Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what else was I supposed, what am I to, supposed do? to do? Hello. So. You know that they're set on mischief, <laughs> and they asked me for a god, so I had to deliver them. Them crazy children of <laughs> he children. Said, he said. <laughs> they gave it to me, and I put it into the fire, and poof, there came out. Here Scaps. it comes. <laughs> Yo. That's Divinely just terrible. inspired. And, and as if Moses hadn't didn't notice when he was walking up, he looks around and notices now that the people are naked. Yeah. <laughs> he just saw the calf, and yeah. he just tunnel vision. And, I mean, if that's the case, because it is, it's after this whole explanation from Aaron, it's after... I don't know the actual order that things happen, but this whole explanation from Aaron, this is after the gold drinking that Moses says in verse 20. The gold drinking is in verse 20. In verse 20. Verse 20. And in verse 25, it says, and then Moses saw that the people were naked. (laughs) This whole thing happened before Moses saw that anybody was not even wearing any clothes. (laughs) He's over there grinding up gold, mixing it in their drink. That's someone who's mad. It's the power of He's mad. (laughs) And we'll, we're actually going to get on to to another guy that gets that mad here in a minute. But the uh, yeah, that's now th- I'm just going to show how how illiterate I am about biblical things sometimes. But is this is this the time where they they tell Moses, hey, because they see the the storm on the mountain, and then they're like, you know what, we're scared to go up there. You just go up by yourself. Well, this is right before that. The Lord come down from them, and then. Then he said, you go up. And then when he went up, he was gone for like 40 days. And so they it's during that point in time where they don't know. They're thinking like, okay, we had a leader, and now we don't. And so we need, we need a visible leader again. And so that's where they look to Aaron, and it's like, you make us a god, because obviously you, you're not suitable to be our leader. And so 
uh, Aaron then formulates this this golden calf for them to be that that deity, like I said, and 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 it's supposed to lead them wherever they're supposed to go, type thing, you know. Meanwhile, you know that that Moses is actually up on top of the mountain getting the ideas. Uh, getting the 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 model, if you would, for the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, which would later really do what they were wanting it to do, and it just so happened to be made out of gold as well. But if they had just if they had just been patient, yeah. they could have got a little a little you know a little bit. But they they obviously weren't patient, and Joshua is up there with him, which is really good for, for him as well. Right. And it doesn't stop there because the Bible says after all this happens, then Moses stands in the gate of the camp and says, who's on the Lord's side? Now, you would probably think at this point everyone's running over to Moses. <laughs> but nay, nay, the Bible says all the sons of Levi gather themselves together. And so he pretty much tells the Levites, uh, he says, well, God says, put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi, this is the Levites now, did according to the word of Moses and there fell about 3,000 men. Gosh. Yeah. yeah, this is a pretty... Well, it's, it's, you know, the Lord actually wants to destroy all of them. I mean, yes. And when it's, when it, by the time it's all yeah. said and done, it's like, okay, you know, why don't you just move aside, Moses, and I'm just going to kill them all. And of course, there's only one reason God tells him to really stand aside. I mean, God could, God could kill everybody and just leave Moses there, I, I think, you know. I think he's really trying to make Moses buy into the idea of leading these people. Really, like, this is your chance this is your chance to, to uh, not have to lead them, you know. And that's what I was about to say. Like, it, this goes from a story that is, is it is humorous uh, in the way all this stuff happens, but then it takes a, a different turn, and you really see how great of a man Moses was. Yep. Because it says that he said, "Well, I'm going to go to the mountain because you have sinned a great sin, and I'm going to go up there and I'm going to make an atonement for your sin. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna clean this up for you guys. Yeah. And he goes up there. And start speaking to the Lord, and the Lord says, I'm going to wipe them all out. And Moses says, um, Moses says, forgive their sin. And if you don't forget them, or if you don't forget their sins, if you don't forgive their sins, blot me out as well. Blot me out with them. Take me with them. This, this guy who was just so mad mm-hmm. that he slammed down these tablets of stone. He goes down there. He grinds up the calf, turns it to gold, makes them drink it. Then realizes then they're all naked. They're naked. <laughs> I mean, this guy who was so mad that he he calls the, th- the these men over, tells them to go kill three thousand people. Then he goes up to the Lord and says, "If you're not going to forgive them, count me with them." Yeah. And uh, that's that's pretty gr- that's pretty great, man, right there. Not to take it from funny to serious, but that's a pretty great, man, right there. Thank yeah. you, Timmy B. And very and honestly, <laughs> that's a very uh very Christ-like. Um, Image yes. there, and the idea, sure. like I said, the man the who I, didn't sin came ma- in and said, "Count me with them." And and the man who's buying into that kind of leadership, yes. because at that point in time, no, I'm not making them your nurse or anything else, but but you are the mediator, you right. are the mm-hmm. intercessor between the living and the dead. Yeah, yeah. boom. Which mm. boom? Which Can Aaron? Jesus, please come. Which Aaron? Who's the Joker that that made up the thing about the cow in the first place? Is he becomes that guy too with the snake? Yes. Lifted up in the wilderness, you know. So there's a lot of redemption and falling with the children of Israel. Yeah. So, all right, let's go to number two. All right, speaking number of number two, two Justin, <laughs> speaking <laughs> of number, he stole my number two. <laughs> um, so, so if that would that was actually it. So if 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 I've got to go with one, I don't know that this is even my number two because I I want to save my this other spot for number one coming in so um I, I i would have to defer to one of uh, uh joel's stories of uh peter at the door joel do you want to help us out with that one i'm not prepared for that one Go acts ahead. chapter 12 <laughs> a- acts chapter 12 so when we're coming in to acts chapter 12 we have the story of peter and peter is in uh the jail and so all of the church is praying for peter that uh, um, <laughs> that somehow he would be delivered, and lo and behold, 
Peter shows up yeah. right to and, this house. And remember, this at is the prayer meeting. At, yeah. <laughs> at this at this point too. You see that um, they had already killed one of the apostles. They yes. killed uh, James, James the Great, and and it's just a couple of verses. And then the the, the same king, the same people are are now going to execute Peter. So it's it's kind of like this is this is they they really wake up and it's really make or break for the for the church. Right. Not just prayer, but it records prayer without ceasing um, for Peter. Uh, and so they, they, these were fervent prayers. They are in the prayer zone. If you've if you've ever been there, and Peter shows up at the door, at the door, and guess what? No what? one wants to guess. What? No one no one wants to guess. <laughs> I, I know what. I thought it was rhetorical. Uh, Sorry. And guess what? <laughs> they won't they, they there's a young lady named Rhoda who answers the door but apparently will not let him in. Will not let him in. Yeah, mm. she she freaks out. She gets. <laughs> She's actually very happy, of course. She knew Peter's yeah. voice. She opened out the gate for gladness but ran in. So she's she's so excited that this is Simon Peter. She's going to go tell all the people at the prayer meeting that God is a prayer answering God. <laughs> and I, I mean, you have to assume that she slammed the door in his face because otherwise, why why would he even stay at the door? He'd just follow her in. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> so what happens is they're praying. They get an immediate prayer answered, and Rhoda runs to the door. She sees that it's Peter. She freaks out. She slams ah, the door in his Peter. face. Yeah, she slams the door in his face and runs inside. And Peter's just standing there like, what just happened? Okay. Well, you you got to think, <laughs> yeah. like, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, these people were getting after it when it comes to prayer. Because it says, I, I just looked it up here. It says, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. This is verse 5 of Acts chapter 12. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And then the very next sentence says, and Peter was laying in between two guard, guards, and an angel comes in and Man. smites Peter on the side and says, get up, put on your shoes, let's get out of here. Like, these people were getting after it. it I mean, it correlates the prayers to the deliverance. Yeah, this is, this is a guy who's being guarded by 16 soldiers, four quaternions, wow. 16 different soldiers that are, are taking care of this one measly apostolic fisherman, preacher, and uh, here it is. They're gonna they're gonna bring him out and all of this sort of stuff. And and again, everything is like automatic. He wakes up. He walks out. He thinks it's a dream the whole time. It's easier for him to get out of prison than it is to get into the prayer meeting. When it's all said and done. Damn, that'll preach. Meanwhile, while when Rhoda goes back in, she's happy. She's so happy. She's giddy. And she goes to explain who it is and what it's what's going on, and they think she's a maniac. Or they think she's crazy. They think she's crazy at first. Uh, they use the, the the Greek word there for maniac. They said you're mad, and then later they said, okay, oh, the, this is this is bad, this is bad, this is his angel. <laughs> they've they've killed him already, and his ghost is now coming right. to haunt us because we are not the prayer warriors we thought we were. It's like, what were you actually praying for? If you if you assume that everything that could possibly happen is the opposite of what you prayed for, you know what I'm saying? So like this great thing happens. She says Peter is literally at the door right now, and they're like, No, he's not. No, you're crazy. Yeah, no, you're crazy. no, you're crazy. You're a maniac. Or maybe he's actually there, but he's still, but he's super dead. He's like a ghost. You He's know a what I mean? ghost. She wouldn't let it go though, because it said she constantly affirmed. Yeah. That yes. It's so. So. How long did he stand out? Meanwhile, there? Yeah, he's continuing to not. Peter. <laughs> Peter's checking his watch over their miracle. <laughs> you got to think about Peter. He's he's a man on the run too. I mean, this is a guy who just walked out of prison. Right. Uh, this is a guy who's like you know. I mean, if if I don't know if I had been let out of county, county jail without permission. <laughs> And I come to the church, and there are people praying for me inside, and somebody, some little kid or some young lady comes to the door and, and says, okay, sweetie, can you let me in? Hey, can you let me? Hey, 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 can you let me in? <laughs> you know, God, you know it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's like you're wanting really bad because you're standing in the middle of the street at this point in time. Jerusalem is probably crawling with guards of some sort. And, uh, and you're like, those guards are going to wake up any minute and come looking for me. Now, here's the good thing for Rhoda. You can imagine if Peter had just said, well, you know what, forget this. I'm getting out of town. 
But where they does he go? They would have went back to the, they would have went to open that door and he'd been gone and they would have thought she was crazy. <laughs> oh, this man. is a crazy story. Terrible. Oh, the crazy. miracle is the whole miracle is just pretty incredible because it says that Peter didn't know what was going on. He thought it was a vision. He didn't actually think there was a real angel guiding him. And the angel said, follow me. Because I'm sitting here wondering, how did Peter know where to go? Because they were at Mary's house. I don't know I don't know if he knew. I mean, there wasn't a church building that you could go to. Like, here you could come to 1000 North Maple and knock on the door. You know, hey, it's Sunday morning. They're all going to be there. No, I mean, these people are hiding from house to house. This angel, from all I can tell, led Peter to where he was supposed to go. At least far enough. He says he considered the thing that came to Mary's house. So maybe yeah. he let him yeah. out. And then by that point in time, he said, well, you know, maybe they're, where should they be? Where would they be on a Wednesday hmm. night? Oh, uh, you know, Mark. Hey, yeah, let's go to John Mark's house and do that kind of thing. And, and, and again, you sort of see Peter just sort of swings by and explains the situation. And then he jets. He's gone again. But... Uh, it's, it's always so remarkable, you know, in, in the midst of all of this. Meanwhile, you have these 16 soldiers who wake up and realize that the guy that they were supposed to be watching has walked out of prison. Right. And obviously, there's no way that that can happen without it being a quote-unquote inside job. So dun, dun, dun. Herod decides that he is going to take those those guys out as well, both quashing the story as well as if they had uh, somebody had betrayed the Roman Empire and their responsibilities. So if you're praying fervently for a miracle and the miracle shows up at your door, don't close Maybe it and then talk the about how great it is that the miracle has come to your door. Yeah. You still have to open it. That's and don't right. call people mm. don't call people crazy. Come on, somebody. Or your miracle will be killed in the streets. <laughs> Or, or don't think that things are already too past. And that's the other thing. Well, it's too late now. Why were we praying? It's already, it's already a done deal. Well, the way I see it, the point that we're at right now, we, we kind of skipped some of the ones that, that I think are the funniest. So I think now that we're down to number one, those, these stories have to duke it out. You know? And we can't, we can't take just a ton longer because we've, we've been going a minute. Um, but we've we've still we still haven't talked about Balaam, we still haven't talked about the sons of Sceva, and we nope. still haven't talked about Haman. So let's go ahead and talk about sons of Sceva a little bit and see see what we think about that. I think the seven sons of Sceva have that that kind of natural humor to it. Acts Acts nineteen, uh, where uh, Paul has went to Ephesus, and it's there in Ephesus that he begins planting a a church. Uh, they're starting off with the disciples of John and then moving in from that uh, to founding a Bible school. And it's really at that point in time that God begins to use uh, Paul so much that you get the handkerchiefs uh, that come from his body that, that people then use to anoint folks. Like we still do that, you know, whenever you see people bring a handkerchief to pray over as, as some sort of uh, emblem or something like that of, of common faith and then take that from the people. That's where that comes from. But in the midst of all of this, there are people who are what are called the vagabond Jews. Um, they, they consider themselves exorcists and uh, they are practicing exorcism. And so they pick up on the idea. They apparently find out about Paul and about Jesus having no relationship with Paul or no relationship with Jesus, they try to actually use um, the, the formula like, like, you know, like a recitation, like it's abracadabra or something like that, some sort of magic recitation. And then uh, they believe that they're going to be able to cast out devils. So they find this guy that has a bunch of devils in him and uh, they try to, they try to, to, uh, cast the devil out of this one gentleman who is uh, laden with spirits. And the man basically replies back that, you know, I, yes, I, I know who Peter is, or excuse me, I know who Paul is, and I know who Jesus is, but I don't know who you are. And at that point in time, he jumps on <laughs> them. Yes, at that point in time, uh, he, he, the, the, uh, he jumps on these uh, seven s- 
sons of Sceva. And uh, the Bible says, uh, verse number 16 of uh, Acts chapter 19, the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in heaven. This was such a great story that everybody found out about it. And uh, they they kind of got a little scared, but they probably laughed a little bit about these these naked, uh, seven naked, wounded sons of Sceva. I doubt the sons of Sceva were doing just a ton of exorcisms after that. They, they, were, they were vagabonds. They probably hit the road before the story hit the road. Yeah, they got their fill. Yeah, good thing it wasn't Facebook or Twitter in those days. They'd still be traveling, looking for a place to practice exorcism. You know, I, I grew up with all brothers, and we uh, we fought a lot. You know, we, we got in a lot of fights, and which I was the oldest, so I don't guess I was ever really going to get beat up too bad until we got old enough to not fight like that. But I have never been beat up to the point to where I lost all my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is some kind of a whipping but like it, you have you have been put through the ringer on the positive thing it does seem to give uh the church there at Ephesus a a, a serious boost because people then realize hey maybe this this dark arts that we're involved in really ain't all that and maybe we should just we ought to go for the real McCoy and there they start go. worshiping Christ and instead they uh, their their curious arts, as it's called, there verse number nineteen. They bring that stuff and they 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 sacrifice it. They burn it. Amen. Uh, in such a way, so really cool. Yeah, I have an honorable mention. Go ahead. Before we get to number one, yeah, it's the story of Gideon when uh, he's chasing after these two kings, Zeba and Zalmunna. That's funny, right there. <laughs> um, he's chasing after them, and he's got this army with him. It says that he comes to Succoth, and when he gets there, he says, "Hey guys, we are our army is our army is starving here. If you could give us some bread and feed our army, that that'd be great." And they said, "No, we're not going to do that." And so Gideon says, <laughs> "Gideon says, okay, I'll remember this." And I, this is Gideon is not the one. No, you do he's, not, he's not the one. Don't mess with Gideon. <laughs> uh, so they said, no, we're not going to help you out. And then Gideon says, I will return after Zeba and Zalmunna have been delivered into my hand, and I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And then he goes to another place called Penuel. And at Penuel, he gets the same answer that he had just gotten in the other city. And as he's leaving Penuel, they won't give him any bread either. He says, when I come back, I'm going to tear down this tower. I'm going to teach you guys all a few lessons around here. And then he finally catches up with Zeba and Zalmunna, and he gets ready to kill them, and he looks at a sword bearer, this young man, and he, he hands the sword to this young man and says, go and kill these two kings. And then Zeba and Zalmunna, who are about to be executed, <laughs> get real smart with Gideon all of a sudden. <laughs> Don't said, do it. And say, hey, you're not man enough to kill us. <laughs> so you had to send this little boy... To come kill us, because you're not man enough to do it. So Gideon just pulls out his sword and kills them both. Bam. And then goes and tears down the ta- the tower in Penuel, and then goes and whips a bunch of guys with briars and thorns. So, yeah. just a great story. You know, though, I, if I were those kings, maybe I would want to make the a, a really good sword bearer, a really guy, good guy with a sword, angry enough, so he doesn't just hack at me. Maybe they were... You know, there's a the biggest True. fear that you yeah. have if you're going to be executed is that the guy's not going to know what he's doing. Death by a thousand cuts. And, and so <laughs> death by a thousand cuts. Paper so he, cuts. He's 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 whacking at you. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to get this whack, whack, whack. <laughs> no, if I'm going to be executed, I want the most expert executioner. And I want to make him so mad, he cuts off my head without me even feeling it. It's like I'm mouthing off to him, and he walks. The last thing I see is him reaching for his blade, and then all of a sudden, I hear, and then that's it. I'm going. That's the sound bite for the cold open, for sure. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, that's, uh, 
Yeah, he pulls out that sword, and that was that was the point where they knew they messed up. Yeah, they were like this. They must have not heard the threats For that real. he had just left in the other yeah. places. Like, I'm going to tear your flesh with thorns. Yeah. It's like, no, don't mess with that guy. I have a couple of honorable mentions based off of that. Number one, of course, is the call of Gideon, and that has to do with the angel. Yes. Anytime angels pop up out of nowhere and say, fear not, um, or, or really anytime they say almost anything, it's just humorous to me. Um, you know, when they're guys sitting out in the middle of a field at night, there's an angel that shows up in the middle of the night with bright lights and then an army of angels and tell them not to be afraid, or Jesus with the disciples in the room, popping into the room. Anytime that happens, it's funny. The other one we talked about, swords, and that's David with the sword of Goliath of Gath that he gets there at Nob in First Samuel 21. And when he gets that sword, he says, there is none like it. And it's a specially made sword for Goliath, okay, who's a giant, so he has strapped on. It's the only sword that he can find in the country. And he drags this sword, and he's running from Saul. And so he's, he's not really thinking right. He straps on this giant sword, and he finds himself in Gath, of all places. And the people go like, hey, isn't that the guy who killed Goliath? And oh, yeah, isn't that like the giant sword of Goliath? So much so that... David then, like, has to feign himself. He he acts like he's crazy, and he allows spittle to fall down off his face, and and that's just those those things are funny for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it it's like when uh, the angel shows up to Mary, and he, he's he says, "Fear not." Like, I would be really surprised and scared if literally anyone was in my living room that wasn't supposed to be. So, let alone an angel from heaven in all its splendor, whatever that looks like, like uh, it's pretty difficult not to be afraid, you know? So that kind of surprise (laughs) will get you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You're only a young girl. You're not married, but you're about to have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I think maybe what he was actually saying is, you have no reason to be afraid of me because what I'm about to tell you is a lot scarier than that. So, <laughs> that's, a per- that's a perfect point. You know, <laughs> but Jesus, like I said, he could have knocked on the door. He could have said, "Hey guys, hey, not to scare you, but it's me. I'm, could you just open the door?" But no, he didn't do that. He just sort of popped in, and then said, "You know, it is I. Be not afraid." Or you know, walking on the water, it is I. It it it's just. Anytime he seems to be doing something like that and then tells people not to be afraid, it's just, it's, it's funny. Yes. There's something, uh, there, there's something that it strains the uh, ability to think that they're not going to be freaked out anyway. Right. So. Well, then we move on to, you know, we were talking about how mad Moses was earlier. He was so mad that he didn't even notice that an entire group of people didn't have any clothes on until after his, his tantrum okay well there's another tantrum by a young man well I don't know how young he was but by Balaam with his donkey and he's on his way I uh, it would probably be better for one of you guys to take the lead on this but numbers 22 yeah that's where we are we're going to numbers 22 which is basically Balaam is a he's a prophet but he's a prophet for profit He's a prophet for hire, and he's hired by one of the kings there uh, who's actually the king of Moab, who is an enemy of the children of Israel. And so he tries to get this guy to, um, he's going to pay him to curse the people of Israel and uh, as they're coming out of Egypt. And you'll see here that that really uh, there's chapters and chapters of this about this, him trying to curse, but in, instead he blesses them. He's the first one to talk about, like, the star and stuff like that. Anyway, he starts off telling them, I'm not going to go with you. Even if you gave me a house full of gold, I'm not going to go with you. But finally he decides, he feels like the Lord has given him a green light, but the Lord really hasn't. The Lord has kind of said, you're going to do it anyway, so go ahead, see what's going to happen. And so the Lord's kind of upset with him for going with them. And so... Uh, when he goes back to to work for Balak, and so he sends an angel to to stop him, uh, and 
in the in in every time this happens, every time the angel tries to stop them, instead it's the donkey who apparently perceives the angel and uh, in one sense uh, goes into a field and in another sense he crushes his foot uh, up against a stone. Finally, he gets to a point where of an impasse and the angel's standing there and he the donkey refuses to go forward. And at that point in time, uh, he begins to beat the donkey just he's out of his mind, flustered and frustrated for this animal, um, and the the Lord looses the mouth of the donkey, and the donkey begins to have a conversation with him, to the point it's like, "Hey, I've served you all these years. Why are you so upset with me?" Now that's hilarious, right there. But the fact that then he answers him back, like the reason I'm beating you is because <laughs> of all these things you've done, and. And again, that's that's great. You know, the the New Testament calls him the madness of the prophet. He's really has lost his mind at this point in time, and uh, all of that sort of stuff. It's 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 quintessentially humorous, yes. even to the point of 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 being a, a source of mockery for the New Testament. One time, when I was a kid, we pulled up in our driveway. My mom was wearing a white dress, and our dog jumped up on my mom's white dress Uh-oh. and my mom started yelling at the dog Dennis don't you know that this is a white dress and that's how I think of Balaam <laughs> talking to the donkey <laughs> he is talking to don't the don't you know this don't you know <laughs> that this is a white dress come on Dennis <laughs> you know better than that where's your taste <laughs> like he's having she, he had a legitimate conversation with this donkey Yes. The only difference is that Dennis did not talk back to my mother. That's the only difference in the you, two stories. Why you beat him? Because this is a white dress, Dennis. Hello. <laughs> but if Dennis could have talked back, I imagine it would have been something like, um, hello, dog. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, a dog, dog. etc. <laughs> hello, my honey. Hello, my baby. <laughs> hello, my ragtime Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize the dress was white. Wife. I'm colorblind. <laughs> Dennis, that's the only color you can see. I thought this was <laughs> really light gray. I thought this was like a taupe. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we have one story left, but I think, and to me, it's the funniest story, and it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, but I almost think that we need to save it for stuff they don't teach you in uh, Sunday school. It is a good one. It it's is a good, good one. But we can go ahead and mention it briefly here i think but uh it's Haman building his own execution more or less um throughout the the book of esther so not just building his own gallows but building his own execution yes all together yeah he just he set the whole thing up for, and, and for, for, for the jews and it ends up being him yes. and it's from beginning to end it's a beautiful story of of one guy who's who's conniving, and at every turn, it seems like it works against him instead of working for him. He thinks at every, he th- he's thinking things are working in his favor, but in actuality, they're working against him. Um, it's kind of the opposite. You know, normally we talk about all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. This is like the all things work together for bad to them that hate God and his people. <laughs> it's, like, it's like every time you come to something, you know, you, you're, you, you're trying to make a decision. It's like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And it's just, it's, it's terrible. He's kind of the opposite of Nehemiah. He's like, he's got this, this thing where he is against the people of God. And he's not, he's trying to tear down what's going on with them. Whereas, you know, Nehemiah is building stuff up and people are trying to stop him, but they can't. Well, Haman is trying to is trying to tear things down and everybody tries to stop to it. And he's got family members involved in the whole thing. And he's got it's his wife and his children. It's it's and then it it even has um, it is even broader because it it begins to talk about rooting out Mm anti-Semitism and a number of different things like that. It's. Esther's just a wonderful story in regards to that. And it's not just a story we love as Christians, but Jews love them 
the story of Esther. They and the story love of them some story of Haman. We 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 talk about Purim. Oh, it's yeah, like the Jewish Halloween, where th- they literally celebrate this story <laughs> and the fact that Haman is dead. And when you think about it, uh, Haman didn't just die in in the story when when he builds the gallows, thinking he's going to to be able to put Mordecai and and and, and the Jews up. It's really him that gets impelled upon this. And by the way, the question was asked: Is it a vertical or a horizontal impalement. And that is a thing in in Persia. They had longitudinal and transverse impalements just for you history majors out there. And so I don't know which one this was, but I know it it wasn't good. And at the end, Haman loses his house. (laughs) He he loses his family. He loses his life. And then thousands of people who were set out to kill the Jews are, are, are slaughtered. And these Jews... They didn't just take the day that they had it. It wasn't enough because then Esther comes back and is like, well, we need more time in the city. And they get to kill even more of these people who are coming. And his dread enemy actually has his position when it's all said and done. Yes. One guy that refused to bow to him in the gate. Yes. But again, this is something we ought to really go to. Esther's just such a wonderful story. It's a great story. We need to go back and really hit it in depth. Well, I think, it's really kind of cool because just from hearing you guys talk about it, I'll be honest with you. I said this earlier. I'm not super familiar with the story of Esther. And um, it was just one that I, I never spent a lot of time in. Um, but it sounds like it sounds like Haman is the hero in the story of Esther. It's like there's a good hero yeah. who's Esther. Oh, he's and then to you me, have when the I guy. read Esther, Haman is the main character. Oh yeah, but he's sure. the hero. He's, he's the reason like the, all the good happened. Yeah, kind of. And so yeah. it's like it's the weirdest thing. It's like it's the guy, it's Mr. Magoo who can't do anything right. Yes. And you have you have Esther working on one side, and then you have you have Esther and Mordecai and all of this working on one side, and then you have Haman working on the other side, and they don't know that they're actually working towards the same the same conclusion. Even though that they think they're working in opposite directions, but the whole time they're working to one solitary conclusion. It's almost like a, a Hitler figure. Obviously, he is not in any way, shape, or form as successful as, as Hitler. But if you took uh, the Holocaust and the story of the Holocaust, and then you incorporated later in that same decade the formation of the nation of Israel, and you you draw a line from the Holocaust to the formation of Israel, and you realize that, you know what, Hitler's name even today is a byword. Nobody's going to say, well, you know, Hitler was a nice guy, or Hitler's children loved him, or whatever. You, nobody talks like that. But there is a nation of Israel on the map today. Right. So ultimately, you know, it, it, is, it is God's people who uh, persevere and uh, who are rewarded because of that. And uh, history is very, very kind to God's people where it's not so kind to their enemies. Right. No one's naming their child Haman nope. right now. No, right <laughs> now. <laughs> at, 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 at least in Israel. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this has been this has been super fun. Um, I don't know. Maybe in the future we should do like a top five instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We might have to cut this up in multiple podcasts. Split this yeah, we'll we'll. I don't know. We'll work it out. This this was the first time to try this, so I mean, I think it was successful for our first go around. It's like when you're sitting in church and then the preacher says, "I'm not going to be long." Yep, that's what we attempted today. Yep. My favorite thing when a preacher says is, "I'm not going to tell you about this story," and then he he goes on for ten minutes about the story he's not going to tell you, yeah. and still never tells the story. <laughs> still never tells the story. Or, or when he just says, "This isn't in my notes," and you're like, "Uh oh." Yep. Uh-oh. Or they start the uh, they start the prayer to close down service, and then like they don't end the prayer and then they just start preaching you know what i'm saying <laughs> yes. like it, you'll be it'd be like dear father god and then like it'll go and go and go and then all of a sudden he's back into preaching again and you lift your head you up still and get everybody, your head bowed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's uh or, that's always or the good. pastor come along afterwards i'm not trying to add what this good brother said and then go yep. on from there 15 minutes later brother whitley is very yeah, our very pastor good. is big time into that but, well, but I've, I've heard some guys re-preach the entire sermon and yeah. take twice as long as it did to for me to make my points or like when a group of four guys are trying to end a podcast <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> <That's right. laughs> they spend 10 minutes talking Touché. oh me but anyway i've i have thoroughly enjoyed this and this this is 
there will be a certain version of of this kind of thing going forward. So uh, if you made it to the end, uh, congratulations. Good on you. <laughs> for real. Even we took a break. So. So. Uh, but uh, but we are we're thankful that you were with us. And uh, yeah, if you need to get a hold of us or you got any stories that you think should have been in the top 10, you can reach us at Revival Church Podcast at gmail.com. Just send us an email and we'll, we'll, you know, we may give you a shout out on the next one if we, if we get around to it. Attention, attention pod pastor Timmy Bing. <laughs> anyhow. <laughs> but the, anyway. The pod father himself. The pod father. But uh, anyway, so until the next time, and the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. See you later. Amen.